We are ending 2020. No applause. We started the year with a really catchy sermon series. Probably like many other churches, we called it 2020 Vision. Boy, that seems a long time ago. The idea was to look forward and to imagine and see what God would have us to do and do the preparation to do it so that we could reach the community for Christ, so that we could be better disciple makers here in the church. And somewhere around February, things, or around March, things started to shut down. We had to cancel worship. We didn't have our Easter celebration here in person. And we discovered that so much of the stuff that we planned for didn't happen, but we discovered very quickly that we could change and make some new things happen. So we installed audiovisual equipment in our church, and we put together Zoom accounts and all sorts of things because we discovered that our best plans and our best anticipations of how things were going to be really weren't that much help for us, other than we did see God's sovereign hand in some things such as I've already mentioned, like the stewardship drive, that we had no idea when we were doing it that God was leading us because of the fact that something new was going to happen, that that was going to become so essential to help people understand the importance of online giving. And so now we come to the end of 2020, having never seen what was coming, realize that life has gone in ways that have been far beyond our control, we end the year and ask a different question as we enter the new year. When we face difficult times or tough times, how do we face them? What is a perspective for the new year that doesn't just help us if things go well, but it also helps us when things don't go well? Hear that? We can have a perspective that can help us in both times. We can live in a way that no matter what comes down the road, we're going to be fine. And that's why this morning's text that we're choosing is Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, and it's a story of the birth of Jesus with an emphasis on Joseph. Listen as I read this text, and I ask you to particularly listen to Joseph's part in the story. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. While his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as, she considered the, as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken through the prophet. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Joseph woke from the sleep. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary as his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph is an example how to live when things in life are beyond our control. Do you hear that in the story? Joseph had no control of what was going on. Here he is one day just minding his own business, being this devout person of faith, 
and bam, something unusual takes place. He finds out that his fiance is going to have a child and she's got some story. You can just imagine that conversation when she's trying to explain to him how an angel has told her that she has this child from God and he's sitting there going, yeah, yeah, I get you. It sort of is like we all were when all of a sudden we were told we were going to be closing down for a couple weeks and we all thought it was going to be a couple weeks and we're like, what's going on here? Only Joseph's surprise was a whole lot bigger than ours was. Too often we forget Joseph. Too often we forget to tell his story and we go to some of the remarkable people in Scripture. We tell stories like Moses, but... The problem with Moses is how many of us can really identify with somebody of that amazing faith doing that great of things and delivering an entire country to safety, to take them out of captivity into the promised land? His story is inspiring, and the way that God works through him is nothing short of amazing. But you know, I'm not a Moses. I'm never going to be a Moses. How about the Apostle Paul? We read his story. Man, he's great. He goes out and he starts churches everywhere. And he goes to prison and he's fine with going to prison. And even when he's in prison, he continues to preach the gospel. And by his own declaration, he's certainly not a pastor stand because he's learned to be content in all circumstances. I'm 61 years old. I'm still working on that. Daniel. We're going to be looking at him in the new year. Daniel's amazing. Do you know, other than Jesus, Daniel's the other person in the Bible that there's not a single negative thing said about him. Now, my wife can't go a single day without finding something negative to say about me, nor can anybody else in our family. But here you got Daniel, who just lives an amazing life. Or how about Mary? Yeah, right. God, whatever you want to do in my life, I am absolutely okay with this. Anybody here live your life exactly like Mary, that no matter what happens, you are content, and your answer is, sure, God, absolutely. It doesn't matter what difficulty or what tough time you put me through, I'm okay with it. Any takers? See, that's what happens so often when we read the stories. They inspire us. They're awesome. They give us a standard of how God can work through our lives. But when we are truthful with ourselves, we realize we're never going to live up to their standard. And then along comes Joseph. And we say, he's just a normal, everyday guy. He's just a carpenter. He's just a guy who goes around his business, who's just living a life of faith. And then when he's told that, that something tough is going to take place, he tries to do it the right way. He says, well, I will, I will end this engagement quietly. I'm not going to embarrass her. I'm just going to put it aside. Maybe she'll have to move somewhere else and, and go with her family. But he's just trying to follow the customs of the first century. And then an angel comes to him. No, an angel doesn't come to him. Mary talks to him. She says, this is an unusual thing that's taken place. I need you to trust me. The Bible says he thinks about it, and he does what we tell people to do all the time. He sleeps on it. That's all he does. Read the story. He just goes to bed and sleeps on it. We can, can we all do that? Before we make a decision, a major decision, how many of us, let's be honest, not that we do it, how many of us can sleep on it? Put our hands up. Can't you? Sure you can. We all can do that. I didn't say we all do that, but we all can do that. We can slow down and give ourselves a moment before we make the big major decisions in our lives. That's what Joseph does. 
And then he just becomes a father to a perfect child. Can you imagine that? Dads, can you imagine? You know how many times we had to say, tell our kids that they had to do something because they were wrong and we were right? Can you imagine them always being right? It was tough enough being a dad with the kids were wrong. I can't imagine what it was like for Joseph. Yet at the same time, he was just a good guy who's loving his wife and raising his child. So what we learn from Joseph's perspective is how to live life on life's terms or how to live life when life gets challenging. Because Joseph faces something that's really tough, having his engagement go in a direction he doesn't imagine. And that's what I'd like us to think about today. Because my suggestion is we can all be like Joseph. Whether we raised our hand or not, we can sleep on things. We can slow things down. We can learn to pause. We can learn to listen. We can learn to trust God. So how do we face tough times? How do we face times of uncertainty? How do we learn to be more like Joseph? Well, it begins with this. We need to choose to be content. That's a choice. We can choose to be content. That's what Joseph did. He chose to be content. He chose to be okay with his life. Life can and should be reasonably happy. That's what we mean when we say living life on life's terms. We use the serenity prayer around here a lot because not only is it America's favorite prayer, which it is, it's a prayer that really guides us on how to learn to live life on life's terms. Listen as we talk about choosing to be content, the words of the serenity prayer. It starts with, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. You know what that is. That's pretty much everything in life. That's a pandemic, and that's for Joseph, a fiancé, who comes to him and says, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. you got to trust me. To courage to change the things I can, those are ourselves. And then, of course, the wisdom to know the difference. The prayer goes on and says, learning to live one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as a pathway to peace, taking as he, Christ did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Hearing this, this is choosing to be content. Accepting hardships as, this, as a way to peace. Taking as Christ did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. But then it gets great. Trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will so that I may be listened to this world reasonably happy in this life so that I may be reasonably happy in this life. How happy? Not perfectly. Even the prayer doesn't... Wait a second, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I don't get to have joy and ecstasy 24 hours a day and have everything go my way and just be a thrilled, happy person with a big smile on my face constantly? No. Reasonably happy. That's what we learn from Joseph. That's choosing to be content. Now, the birth of Jesus, verse 18, took place this way. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph. He was just a reasonably happy guy who was engaged and feeling good about being engaged. I remember those days. I still remember the time that I was flying out to North Dakota. I was going from Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I was going home to see my parents, and I was just happy because I was engaged. And I was sitting beside somebody, and I just wanted to tell them. 
And so I turned to him and I said, what are you doing? And I don't remember what the person said because I was only thinking in my head what I wanted to say. And I said, I'm going home for Christmas and then my fiancé is going to come visit me. And I just felt good about being able to say, my fiancé. Reasonably happy. I was choosing to be content. I was enjoying life. I was learning to live life on life's terms. That's how Joseph was living his life. But the problem is we get ourselves caught up in all sorts of things, anxiety, fears, frustrations, when we don't just want to be reasonably happy. We want everything to be perfect, everything to be amazing. We all have heroes. Do you have heroes in your life? People we look at, people that we want to emulate, people we've learned amazing things from. One of the people that I learned some of the most amazing things from was my dad. My dad was a reasonably happy guy. And he was a pastor. And you know what? He was never Joel Olstein. In fact, he was out on the prairie in North Dakota. There were more cows that lived in his neighborhood than people. He had a chance of building a big church about as much as nobody. Because they just weren't people. We grew up in, a, in an area where you had to drive 12 miles to buy a loaf of bread. Well, guess what? When you're serving a church out in the country at the Holmes United Methodist Church, 25 miles out of Grand Forks, where you got to drive 12 miles into Reynolds to get a loaf of bread, yeah, don't build a big, huge church. But my dad didn't have one church. He had three churches, and he was reasonably happy serving three churches. And I remember one time being home from college, and I went out with him to the Pleasant View United Methodist Church, and we drove 25 miles to this church for an 8 o'clock in the morning service. And it was my dad, my mom, myself, and two people. And my dad gave a great sermon, and he just was awesome. And we got in the car. My mom played the piano because my mom was a pianist. And I said, how can you do that? He goes, what do you mean? I said, how can you be so positive? There were only two people there. He said, yeah, well, that was better than last week. There's only one. <laughs> I said, don't you get discouraged? He said, no. I said, do you think it makes a difference? He said, it makes a difference for them. Amen. My dad was like Joseph. He chose to be content. He understood the difference between pleasure and happiness and just chose to be reasonably happy in life. It's what the Bible teaches us. Learn to trust God. Learn to be like Joseph. Learn that we don't have to be Moses or Daniel or the Apostle Paul or Mary. We can all choose to be Joseph. We can sleep on things. We can be reasonably happy. And we can choose to be content. But that's not the only thing we learn about Joseph. He also learned to pay attention. He wasn't just caught up in his own thoughts and in his own head. Remember what I said about Vision 2020? We came into 2020 thinking we were going to do this and this and this, and we had programs and we had exciting things, folks. And they're all sitting on a piece of paper in my office somewhere, or at least on my computer. And none of them were able to take place because God said, learn to pay attention. And I still remember having a meeting in the back of our sanctuary with everybody who was paid in our church. And I said, let's all take our job descriptions. Let's all rip them up. And let's all figure out what this church needs, because that's how we need to all work together and figure out where to go. We need to pay attention. But it's not just a pandemic that should do that. It's all of life. 
we should just learn to pay attention, to pay attention to our children, to pay attention to our neighbors, to pay attention to our friends, to pay attention to the things we say to other people. Before they came together, Mary was found to be with a child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man, paid attention. He noticed what was going on. And he was unwilling to put her to shame, so he resolved to divorce her quietly. Boom, just like that. Life happened for Joseph. Try to imagine what it was like. Think of being a first century Jewish man who's a carpenter, who just goes to temple, he just makes his sacrifices, he says his prayers, he's all excited that he's going to get married, he's learned to be content, things are going well, and an unexpected pregnancy from his fiancée? And the best you can come up with is some story about how this is all from God and from the Holy Spirit. But he pays attention. He doesn't dismiss her. He actually listens to her. Hear the next words? As he considered these things. He paid attention. Now, come on, folks. How many of you have children? Okay. How many of you have daughters? How many of you would believe your daughter if she came home pregnant and said, Hey, Mom or Dad, it's no big deal. It all came from the Holy Spirit. But this guy paid attention. He listened. He considered it. Then he must have talked to some other people and decided to divorce her quietly because he was a man of compassion. Like Joseph, life happens. Do we pay attention? Do we look at the needs of others and see how we can make a difference? Do we consider people's stories, even when they don't make sense to us, and say, you know, I wish I need to listen to this person and hear what they're saying. Do you know how much better our life would be with our children and our neighbors and everyone if we'd learned to pay attention? One of my favorite stories is the story of Les Mis by Victor Hugo. And in the story of Les Mis, we have the bishop who one day has a knock at his door and in comes Jean Valjean, a guy who's gotten out of prison. And for some reason, the bishop just pays attention to this guy. And he takes him in and he gives him a nice, safe place to, to sleep for the night and he feeds him a meal. And he observes him and he notices something about him. He has to. Because the next day, when Jean Valjean leaves, Jean Valjean steals a silver candlestick. And he takes off, and the police arrest him, and they bring him back to the bishop, and they say, look at this guy. You treated him well, and he was nothing more than a common thief. But the bishop paid attention. And he realized that there was hope for this guy. And he said, oh, no, not at all. He said, my friend, you left in such haste. Here, you forgot your other candlestick that I meant as a gift for you. He thanked the police for their time there and dismissed them. And then he turns to Jean Valjean and he says, You intended this for bad. You thought you were stealing from me. May you use this to turn your life around and do something great. 
And of course, the rest of the story is Jean Valjean doing great things and changing his life and loving and caring and taking care of a child. And he messes up. He has a moment in which he dismisses a woman who's working for him. But he still does his best and he learns to pay attention. That's the story of Joseph. He pays attention. He listens. He's open to God. He's open to the Holy Spirit. He's open to listening to Mary and going to to bed. And when he has a dream, he hears what God has to say to him. Because when we learn to choose to be content and we learn to pay attention, we can start listening to God. And God speaks to us all the time. And not just in big ways like happened with the bishop and Jean Valjean, and not just in ways with Joseph, with Mary, but with neighbors in need or people that we encounter every day. Somebody in our church who's going through a tough time that we can reach out to. Verse 20. As Joseph considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So Mary had her story, and Joseph had listened to her. He wasn't a pushover and gullible. We know that because he tried to do something honorable for her and not embarrass her and not make matters worse. But far too often, we don't learn to listen to people, and therefore we don't learn to listen to God. You hear that? If we can't hear the hurts and the pains and the things that people around us are saying, how are we ever going to listen to God? Learn to listen, folks. Learn to read the scripture with an ear towards what's God saying to me in this? How does God want to change my life? How does God want me to be more like Joseph or even better, more like Christ? That's all Joseph did. He learned to listen. And he was attentive. Now, how do we know that he listened? We know it without any question. He stayed with Mary. Can you imagine the next day, you're one of these guys who are friends of Joseph. And the day before, you'd given him the best counsel you could. You said, okay, Joseph, I get it. You're a, you're a just guy. You don't want to embarrass her. We can do this all quietly. And the next day, you run into him and you say, so Joseph, you're going to tell Mary today the engagement's off? And Joseph says, oh, no, not at all. I'm sticking with her. What do you mean? I'm listening to God. I've got the best advice I could, and I've listened to Mary. And engagement's going to continue. And not only that, we know that he listened because what's he named the baby? He names the baby Jesus. We miss that sometimes. And the name of Jesus is actually Yeshua or Joshua from the Old Testament. That's the Savior. When the children of Israel went across the desert, they got all the way to the promised land and they get to the Jordan River and they're ready to go across and Moses doesn't get to take them across. But Joshua is a conqueror. He has a book named after him in the Old Testament. Do yourselves a favor and go home and read it. And he takes them into the promised land. Joseph says, I'm not just sticking with this woman. I am going to name the baby, not shame, not guilt, not we're putting our head down, but Joshua, Savior. Because I listen to God, and I don't care what people tell me. Wow. We can face everything in life if we can learn to do that. If we can learn to listen and be attentive and and be content in our lives and realize that God's speaking, how different would life be for us? Isn't that what Jesus himself teaches? How many times in the Gospels does Jesus say, 
For him who has ears, let him hear. Hear that, folks? For him who has ears, let him hear. Are you listening for God? Not in what's in it for you, not in what's in it for me, not how can my life be better, not how can I find the perfect church in 2021 and have Faith Community Church be better than everybody else? Absolutely not. How can we serve? How can we love? How can we extend grace? How can we be open? How can we be a place for every single person who's looking for a church home to feel like they can come here? And how can we be people of grace and hospitality? Amen? Let's listen. That's what the scripture teaches us. We get caught up in our own head. We get caught up in our own fears and we get caught up in everything else. But when we learn to listen, we can face anything in life. Years ago, my parents had visited us when we were in Rhode Island. My dad was still a pastor. My dad had it worked out so he was able to retire at the absolute oldest age that he could as a United Methodist pastor. He was 72 years old when he's getting ready to retire. So he's over 70. And they came out for Christmas and they visited us. And then they did what they always did. They flew to Minneapolis and from Minneapolis they flew to Bismarck. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, Bismarck, North Dakota, in the middle of winter, is a pretty cold place. It's about two degrees colder than Fargo. So instead of being 40 below, it's 42 below. When they got to Bismarck, they had to drive the car. Now it was late in the night. So they're leaving Bismarck at about 11 o'clock at night, and they had another two hours to drive to get to Mott. Some people call Mott, Mott the spot that God forgot. A little tiny town in western North Dakota. But fortunately for my parents, they had learned to listen. Because what happened is as they were driving home, an older couple, 70, 71 years old, they hit a patch of ice and their car went off into the ditch. Now, when you go off into the ditch in the middle of North Dakota, when it's 40 or 42 below zero, it is a very scary thing because you now have two choices. You can turn your car on, at which point the carbon monoxide gets sucked into your car and you die of carbon monoxide poisoning. Or you can choose to sit in your car and you can freeze to death. Neither one is a good option. But my parents had learned to listen to God. And so they prayed. And they said, Heavenly Father, we're in a tough place. Help us. And then they listened. And they carefully listened, and they listened, and they heard something coming up on the highway. Now, when you're out in western North Dakota in the middle of the winter, and it's 42 degrees below zero, and it's the middle of the night, there usually aren't any cars around. But they flashed their lights, and there was an ambulance that happened to be going by because there had been somebody who had had a heart attack that night, and they were coming back, and they saw their lights, and they stopped, and they got my parents out, and my parents lived. My mom and dad said it was all because they listened to God. They didn't panic. They didn't freak out. They didn't get all upset. They prayed and they listened. 2020 was nothing like we expected. But if we can learn in life to be content, if we can learn to listen to God, if we can learn that God is in control and pay attention to the things that are around us, 
It is amazing that no matter what we face, God is faithful and he shows up and he will get us through and we will always have the best life that God has to offer us. And I guarantee you this, we can all be reasonably happy. It's never going to be perfect. And it wasn't perfect for Joseph. But when we can learn from examples like Joseph, it is amazing what God can do in our lives. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the story of Joseph. We thank you that he didn't have to be some big, huge hero of the faith. He didn't have to do more than anyone else. He didn't have to do stuff that no one else could do. He simply had to pay attention and listen and choose to be content and know that you are a sovereign God who had a plan for his life and had a plan for Mary, and he was privileged to be the father of our Savior. Far too often we go through the Christmas season and we don't even consider his story. Help us today to learn to live more like him, that we too could be found to be faithful. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.